The name of the show is Hitting the Mark. I'm the Mark, Jeffrey Mark. And this time we are talking about one of the giant icons of television comedy writing, my friend Bob Schiller. Listen in. Looking at his career, I, I don't know if this is off topic, but, you know, it just to me, it just the Flip Wilson show. He did Archie Bunker's Place, you know, aside from the shows that we've already mentioned. It, it's quite amazing that he was able to, you know, kind of move along with the times, because I think sometimes writers have a difficult time achieving that. They wrote consistently. They wrote for, wrote for Pete and Gladys. There are some wonderful Pete and Gladys stories I want to tell you. They wrote for the Red Skelton Hour. They were the head writers for the Red Skelton Hour for two seasons. They wrote for Flip Wilson. They wrote all the Geraldine sketches for the Flip Wilson oh, show. Wow. That's why they were there, to write specifically the Geraldine sketches. And they were brilliant. Geraldine, for those of you who don't know, was Flip Wilson had a character in drag called Geraldine, who was sassy and witty and uh, was able to say things a little naughty that Flip couldn't have said as a man, but in drag, somehow he got away with it. Uh, the only lack of success they had was they were on the Carol Burnett show for one season and Carol never used one word they wrote. They were on the show. They wrote sketches every week and everything they wrote got um, put in the trash can. Why? Don't, Carol didn't like their writing. She didn't like what they came up with. Um, and that's okay. They, they, there, there was no great animosity, but they needed to move on. That's why they went to the Flip Wilson show because Carol wasn't using their stuff. And they felt, yeah, we're getting a paycheck, but we're not getting comedically satisfied. But um, it was hard. It was very hard working on I Love Lucy to write shows for, that, for them because so much had been done already. When Jess Oppenheimer was the head writer, it was never about the block comedy scenes. It was, what is a solid premise that is based in reality, but then twisted crooked that we can put the Lucy character into? After Jess Oppenheimer left in the fifth season of I Love Lucy, Bob and Madeline became the head writers and Schiller and Weisskopf wrote all the scripts for all the rest of those years and the first two, two and a half seasons of the Lucy show. Then they started to think of, oh, she'd be great on roller skates. How do we get her on roller skates? And they'd write backwards. So it's a different form of writing. It's a different way of writing. There were times the two Bobs were very happy. They loved working for Lucille Ball. She was very tough, very tough with them on the scripts. And sometimes they balked. Bob Weisskopf had a sign in his office, grumble, 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 grumble. He, he also, another person who did not uh, suffer fools gladly and was always complaining about something. They worked for a show called Pete and Gladys. Pete and Gladys was a spinoff of another Desi Lou comedy called December Bride that was also very much like I Love Lucy and Our Miss Brooks. And they were the head writers on it. They loved... Harry Morgan, who was the male star of the show, and they detested Carol Williams, who was the female star of the show. And there are two Harry Morgan stories that are very funny. Let me see if I can clean them up for you. <laughs> Every sitcom 
known to man starts with what they call a table read. The writers, the director, the producer, the actors, and the heads of departments who need to know like what costumes and what makeup and what sets are we going to need for this. They're all there reading the script. Bob Schiller and Bob Weisskopf show up once and everybody's there, but there's no Kara Williams. And they always sat next to Harry Morgan because he used to say funny things under his breath. And they said, Harry, where's Kara? And he says, there's not going to be a show this week. And they said, why? Kara got knocked up. And they're, they open their mouth and go, wow. He says, that's the difference between Lucille Ball and Kara Williams. Lucille Ball gets pregnant. You have a season of shows about it. Kara Williams gets knocked off. We're out of business for a week because she was going to get an abortion. Oh. Um, they, yeah, they, they, nobody there thought that was, and Harry just hated her. There was a, no, I'm going to figure out a way to clean this one up because the punchline is so funny, but I can't say it on the air. Well, they were, bleep it out. it's, it's All podcast. Right. We're I'll, not try, on the I'll try it. All right. Well, no, uh, for those of you who are listening, the wonderful platforms that carry us, carry us with a family-friendly shield on it. So we have oh. to be very careful about the language we use. So I will clean this up for you folks. Another table read, and Kara's not there. Kara shows up like an hour and a half late for the table read, picks up the script, looks through it and goes, where are my funnies? There's nothing funny here. No apology for being late, no explanation. And Harry turns to Bob Schiller and Bob Weisskopf and says, that's why they call a bitch a bitch. Only he didn't say bitch. And if I could say the word, it would be very, very funny. I understand. I, I understand what you're saying. Right? Yes, it does. Well, why didn't they just simply get rid of her and get somebody more professional and more appropriate? Because the head of programming at CBS was having his way sexually with her. That's why she was there. Lucille Ball had left CBS to do Wildcat, and he was promoting her as the new Lucille Ball because her hair was red. And because she was sleeping with him, that was the favorite that year. Uh, Pete and Gladys ran for two half-baked seasons, and then they gave her her own show, and that failed and then you didn't hear much from Kara Williams after that. She's still with us. She's very old, but she's with us. Uh, but her career kind of went into the toilet. When the man who was doing the programming left CBS, so did she. So they couldn't replace her. Uh, she was half of the show. She was the Gladys of Pete and Gladys. She couldn't just not be there one day. Uh, it's not like Bewitched where they had five seasons of shows and they could replace her. Yeah, it has to be tough as a writer because you have a vision of where the show, you know, that you want it to go. And sometimes the, I'm sure other people that are involved with the show have their vision. So, you know, are they the, the writers allowed to lead the way? Are they the leaders of where the show is going? Or are they told we want you to start writing in this direction? It depends on the show and it depends on what years you're talking about. In the beginning, when CBS created the heavens and the earth of television, um, <laughs> the producer was in charge. 
there were usually head writers who worked with the other writers. Some shows went from week to week for inspiration. Other shows, like the Andy Griffith show, they'd sit at the beginning of the year and say, all right, we got 39 episodes to fill. Here are 39 plot lines. And they had groups of writers they liked. All right, who wants to write the one about, you know, where Barney gets herpes? Oh, I'll take that one. You know, who wants to write the one about, you know, where, where, where Floyd gets locked in one toilet? Oh, I'll take that one. And there was all prearranged at the beginning of the year. There were shows like My Three Sons and Family Affair where the star of the show was hardly there. So the entire season had to be written before the star even showed up so they could shoot all their scenes all at once. So the whole season was mapped out from the beginning. The ones that were done in front of a live audience, usually that was not how it was done. Uh, they went from week to week looking for inspiration, unless Lucille Ball gets pregnant. Well, we have X number of pregnancy shows we have to do. But even that went from week to week. They didn't write them all at one time. Today, every sitcom has 97 writers on it, all of whom get some kind of a producer credit. There's an in-house writer. That's really the head writer. The in-house writer is the person who takes the scripts and rewrites them so they sound like they're the same show every week. That the way the characters speak remains stable from week to week. Otherwise, you have the same actors, but they're different parts. So it all has to sound the same. On I Love Lucy, Jess Oppenheimer did that. No matter what was written or who wrote it, Jess would then take the script and dictated into a machine the same way so that everybody's, all the different characters' peculiarities of speech would be there and be consistent from week to week. Uh, today, they have people like that, but they got a hundred of them. Today, you're lucky if you get to produce 20 episodes a year. In those days, they were doing 39. A lot of the shows that are on platforms today only do 10 episodes a season. So it's, it's, it's different. It's, it's hard to say this is how sitcoms are done. Every production company, every network, every platform, who are you working for? It's, it's different. That's the best answer I can give you. It's different. You're listening to Hitting the Mark. My name is Ray Carr, along with Cindy Verblin and the star of our show, Jeffrey Mark. 